Hello, welcome to the Betches Up podcast. I'm Sammy Fishbein, and I am joined today by Marissa Cabis from Crush the Midterms. And we are going to tell you all about her organization and ways that you can get involved before the 2018 midterms, which are coming up super fast. Hi, Marissa. Hi. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here with the Betches. Yeah, we're excited to have you. Um, so let's just get right into it. How mad are you this week? Um, on a scale of one to freaking furious, like beyond, like my head is about to explode. I've, I, I was saying to friends, I haven't felt this level of rage since November 9th, 2016. Right. And that was like a really scary day. So here we are. Right. <laughs> and I just want to say for the audience, we're recording this on Monday, so we don't even really know what's going to happen by the time this episode comes out. So we could be, you know, we could Something good could happen. You never know with this FBI investigation. You never know, but you also probably do, do know. You know? <laughs> right. Th things are just not pointing in the most amazing direction so far. No. Well, and that's why I'm trying to just channel my rage and energy elsewhere because I know I can't really control what a couple of uh, old white men, Republicans do. So um, I'm, I'm thinking about what I can do personally. <laughs> right. Like what are a couple of girls from Long Island who uh, already have Democratic senators and probably representatives really going to do about anything? I mean, it's, it's amazing because my representative is running on a post really? <laughs> in Brooklyn. Yeah. Well, who's your representative? Hakeem Jeffries. Okay. He's well, awesome. Great. <laughs> Hakeem, we are here for you. Yeah. I, it's just, it, it really, it, it does feel so disempowering that, you know, it really isn't, we don't live in a country where your vote is counted as is really even necessarily counted if you live in certain places. Right. Well, I mean, we're, we're in a representative democracy. We're not in a true democracy. So we, right. we elect these people who are supposed to represent our will. And as women, especially, and, and people of color and any sort of um, marginalized community, it's really easy to feel like, wait, I, they're not representing me. Like, where is my voice? I don't see myself. It's almost like they designed it like that on purpose. It's almost as if. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who'd have thought? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny, like growing up, like in school, you learn, oh, we live in like a democracy. Everyone, everyone's opinion counts. It's like, that's not really true. Right. Well, it's like we the people and uh, life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. But uh, yeah. it's. It's the pursuit of happiness, right? They're not guaranteeing you're going to be happy or help or have health care. Right. But, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's crazy. It's crazy. I was reading something about, um, you know, like in swing states, like in Ohio, how there will literally be volunteers assigned to physically get people out of get out the vote, literally. Mm -hmm. And you know each each vote is like worth so much more than here. Like our votes are kind of like they they are they could happen they could not you know they sort of affect like the turnout rate in general and i guess like the way the perception of political mobility but it really isn't very you know, I, I wish someone was chasing me down to go vote. Right. Yeah. I'd be like, yes, yes, I'm on board. <laughs> I will vote. Well, that's why the um, the primary a couple of weeks ago in New York felt so important because it there was actually an opportunity to make your voice heard and, and choose someone that was, I mean, I, I was, I sort of went into it like whoever wins, I'll be fine because it's a democratic primary. But um, now that that's settled, it's sort of like, 
uh, channeling my energy to other states and helping other people get out there because I, I'm good. We're good. <laughs> right, right. I felt that way too. I was, I, I felt like that the reason I voted was not because I felt like so threatened. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, although I did have a preference, the reason I think in the midterm election and the presidential election is that I really do feel like there's like a real threat to, you know, whatever based on whatever the result is or there could be a threat. Right. Um, so you work for Purpose. Yes. Purpose. And basically, will you tell us about that and what the Crush the Midterms um, initiative is? Sure. So Purpose is a social impact agency and we help different sorts of organizations build movements. And a lot of that is using technology. So um, most of it's been around uh, climate change and uh, refugee programs. But after 2016, obviously, all eyes were on, on uh, American politics. And um, this this predated me, but they started thinking a bit more about how we can make a, a social impact on elections. So Crush the Midterms was born. Uh, and it was sort of out of this idea that people like to plan ahead. People don't, can't drop everything and go to a protest every day, and they can't show up at their senator's office every day. People have jobs and families and commitments and, and financial restraints as well, especially if they live in more remote areas. But we wanted people to feel like um, they could fit activism into their life and not the other way around. And so Crush the Midterms is a tool that you answer a few short questions about the issues that matter to you, um, where you live, how much time you have, and how much money you can donate. And it gives you a personalized plan for exactly what you can do, specifically where you live, to help support competitive campaigns. So it takes out the guesswork. You don't have to Google around, like, who is my senator? Oh, they're safe. Okay, um, what's a nearby district? We're we're literally locating you and telling you this is what you should do, and this is how you're going to have maximum impact from however many days till the election. Yeah, it was so I just tried it the tried it out the other day when we got in touch and I was like, This needs to be more popular. Everyone needs to be doing this. I agree. I think it's amazing. I mean I not to toot my own horn by it's so yeah. easy. Yes. Yeah. <sighs> I mean that you were saying that you use technology to basically like make this happen and I was very impressed by how seamless and millennial the technology was. Like it was it looked nice. It was like very easy to just like choose the options and you like take these really nice steps yeah and I have to give a big shout out to Jonas our designer and Josh our engineer they're amazing they made this thing so cool and I I, I put in the words I'm the editorial director so nice (laughs) nice it sounded like it kind of the branding kind of looks like by Chloe but for patriotic people I love that yeah if you're a New York or LA or I think London based person and have been to by Chloe you know what you'll know what I'm talking about when you check out the website um yeah so what I thought was so great about it was that it's tailored to you specifically so and that you could select the issues that you're interested in and you know how much time you have if you like I think there was a question like if you have a car or you're able yeah. to drive so that's that was a key thing that we thought about there's um when everyone hopefully goes to crush the midterms.org to use it um you'll see that there's a question about your skills and what that's really trying to gauge is how can you support campaigns because um like like Sammy mentioned having a car like that means you could drive to other districts or you could help drive people who want to go um or if you're a big talker or if you're an introvert and you don't like crowds and you don't want to be 
knocking on doors and that's scary to you, there's literally something for everyone. Even if you have um, mobility or um, a disability issue, we want everyone to feel empowered. And so that's really what that question's about. Yeah, that right. I liked how I was like, are you an introvert? <laughs> and it told, it told me that my like superpower, it t- okay, so at the end it spits out like, it spits out like your superpower in the midterm. So like, what is the main thing you can do? And it said that mine was like my social um social reach which clearly since this is like what i do for a job um yeah and then it basically tells you like these are the races that you should that you should be looking at and this is like how much money you should be donating if you said that you could donate money right on a you know a consistent basis but it was so it, it's really so amazing because something that i've always felt i mean this this organization is in, from my perception, at least, somewhat liberal leaning. Is that, would you say that's accurate? That Yeah, I mean, we're, we're so social justice minded and that is obviously goes hand in hand with being progressive and, and liberal minded. <laughs> right, I think it's it's so interesting. I always think about like Rock the Vote and, the, and Crush the Minter and these sort of organizations that are very, you know, I feel like all these social campaigns are, they end up on the progressive slash liberal side. But it's always been like a wonder to me how mobilized conservatives are from like a grassroots perspective. How do they do it? I, so I don't have a scientific answer, but from, from my perspective, I think that they are really good at getting around a unified message. You know, they say we are, uh, pro-life or, or as I like to say anti-choice we're anti-choice nice um, yeah. <laughs> right because we're all pro-life we're just they, they don't want people to have the choice so they're saying we're anti-choice and that is a hard line and and if you are not into that bye whereas in progressive circles there are a lot of different strains of of liberalism and progressivism and you can have a spectrum of thought and still be considered a democrat whereas as conservatives there's really sort of party lines and we're seeing that more than ever in the trump era like there used to be pro-choice republicans right yeah and and two of them still exist susan well supposedly supposedly susan collins and lisa murkowski senator See yeah, where we'll they see. land. Exactly. And I'm sure there are a couple other like, hanging around, but it's a real rarity. And, and an, any new Republicans trying to get into the game right now would never go out on a pro choice limb because um, a lot of things, you know, uh, a lot of conservatism conservatism comes from Christian thought and, and religious circles and and that's where a lot of the money is coming from so it's it's sort of all tied up in this nice little bow and um, they're able to have this really unified mobilizing message because they just sort of put their head down and say yeah yes sir mr. Republicans that's what we're doing right I've always marveled at their ability to just like toe the line to simplify the message to like a point where everyone can just like get behind it and kind of like trudge forward with that like sense of you know unshakable purpose that I feel like I feel like it's almost sort of in the nature of liberal progressive thought that you're kind of like oh well like let me weigh this thing and that thing and you know it's much more like measured yes so but that means that there is also like more the, the more room for difference means that it's harder to unite people. And I've always just thought that Republicans have like incredible branding. Like an example of that would be the pro-choice um, or the pro-life, the term pro-life mm-hmm. or what do they say? Pro- anti-life. Do they call it anti-life? No, they, they call themselves pro-life and, um, or as pro-choice um, or 
pro-abortion. Pro, they call yeah. it pro-abortion? Yeah. Which is so bizarre. <laughs> right. So they're, right, they're incredible at kind of like labels. Yeah. Like um, to them, Democrats are baby killers and we are immigrant lovers and <laughs> we hate. We're soft on crime. Yeah. We're so, soft on crime. We um, hate freedom and liberty. <laughs> God hating. Yeah. God, God hating. Right. Oh, I saw a good one yesterday. Um, all Democrats hate. Uh, all Democrats think that Republicans hate women and all Republicans think Democrats hate all men. And it's like, what? No, no. All the Democrats are men. <laughs> I mean, like, at least now. For now. Watch it, assholes. <laughs> oh my God, sorry. I'm not that mad. I mean, I am. I'm, like, I'm so mad. <laughs> I know. I know. It's, it's, it really just gets my blood boiling, like, watching the news. But at the same time, like, I wouldn't be paying as much attention if I didn't feel this way. Right. So it's almost like you have to dial up the rage in order to get people moving. Yeah. And and that's true. But it's also not possible to be furious about everything all the time or or about all the things all the time. I would say I'm furious about something every day. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, <always> new. <laughs> it's it's so fun. It's unpredictable. Right. Um, I saw someone saying yesterday um, on Twitter, some big Twitter user, that uh, people, the, the Democrats have forgotten about the, the children being held in cages on the border and we're not mad about it anymore. Whereas Republicans are still upset about Jimmy Carter. <laughs> That's a great point. <laughs> so true. But they have a lot less to be upset about. We're not trying to kill people. <laughs> right. But here's the thing. Yesterday, like yesterday, there was actually a story about the migrant children being moved in the middle of the night to a basically what they're calling they could call a concentration camp slash tent city in west texas and the reason they're doing this is because the kids are like trying to escape it's like well if you have kids in custody who are trying to escape and then you're giving a tour of these facilities as it and saying that they're getting an amazing education and they're just like chilling and they're fine and they're happy it's like then why are they trying to escape right <laughs> it's just that i mean that's an issue that i feel like really just it, it makes me it really it, I get more sad about that issue than I get mad it's really sad but it also goes back to what we were just talking about about Republicans just falling in line I mean how easy would it be to say this is a travesty and this shouldn't be happening and we shouldn't be torturing children like the first report just came out um, detailing what really went wrong in that kind of six week period in the spring where all hell broke loose and there were hundreds of kids that were held over the, the legal limit. It said that children aren't supposed to be held for more than 72 hours. There were hundreds of children held in these, um, I, I think they said they were like these chain link cages with no showers and no beds for days. One wow. kid was held for 25 days. How difficult would it be for a Republican to come out and just be a moral voice? I mean, if I was a more center Republican, if that even exists anymore, I would say, wow, taking a moral Stan, I respect that. Yes, I am going to still vote for you. Well, they can't do that because they get primaried from the right. And it really doesn't take a lot to get primaried from the right. But again, I think it kind of just is inherent in what a conservative versus a liberal is. Conservative is about hanging on to, mm -hmm. to the old thing. It's like you don't change it. You don't change it. You don't go out of line. 
progressive liberal is literally about like the exploration of ideas like maybe let's try this sort of thing maybe we'll try this maybe we can leave this old way of doing things behind that right. wasn't a great way of doing things but that's why i get mad when i see progressives trying to have these litmus tests of like uh, and these purity tests of what's a true progressive what's a true democrat because i'm like that's what they're doing on the other side but if we're not allowing for any wiggle room with the way that we approach our government and you just want us to get in or get out, we're not going to end up any better. We're going to end up with this rigid set of rules, which I, I, I mostly agree with them. It's not like the same like moral issues as the right, but I don't want to be told, oh, you don't fully align on this issue. You're canceled. Like, right. <laughs> so quick to cancel people who are doing amazing things for the progressive movement. Right. I, I do see that a lot. There are definitely, you know, like political commentators that I watch who say like, you know, one of the problems that liberals have is that you have to kind of be like you have to just keep going with your liberalism and if you're not like as outraged about one issue or another you get you basically get right. canceled if you don't believe in free college for everyone then you're done right like the whole bernie effect yes and the people who were bernie supporters who then refused to vote for hillary i mean I, think. I can't even go. <laughs> I mean, you know what? At first, you know, I used to really be very, like, angry about that. But now I, I, after looking at sort of the effect that Facebook has had on the electorate and looking at what, you know, these bots put out there into the Facebook news feeds, it kind of makes sense that people were as, I don't know, belligerent belligerently for Bernie and you know villainized Hillary to the extent that they did like that was part of the strategy used by these bots and the Russians and enabled by Facebook right. was basically to create that division so that those people who were very very left were just not satisfied with Hillary who was a little bit more centrist and were like down for this kind of like fuck it candidate which is what Donald Trump was <laughs> is yeah. yeah or they were just so disenchanted with Hillary that they just couldn't bring themselves to vote for her but then still felt this duty to vote anyway and it's just I would never encourage people not to vote but voting a spite vote is also a, a strange use of your your constitutional right in my opinion right but, um i think that hillary just became so villainized she became the symbol of of legacy politics and and everything that extreme progressives didn't want and so um you know i understand parts of it it's hard for me to wrap my head around making the decision not to vote for her in the end but um you know I saw something interesting. Uh, Jess McIntosh, she used to work on Hillary's campaign. Um, she was tweeting yesterday about one of Trump's rallies. He had a big rally yesterday. Um, and Where he talked about his saving of NAFTA. Or he canceled NAFTA, but actually... He made like one tweak and gave it a new name. Osmica. <laughs> a new brand. A new, a brand. new brand. A bad brand, though. That was bad brand. Terrible. NAFTA. Terrible. Usmica. Yeah. But they were chanting lock her up as, as they do. And again, they can't get past it. But they just, just can't get past just it. made the great point that um, at this point, I think they're not actually talking about her. It's just a sort of gener it could be any her at this point. And I said back to her, I was like, yeah, and, I, and maybe it always was. There's this deep loathing of women who feel entitled to have power, who are taking what they feel is theirs. And there's so many people, men and women, who resent that. They don't like that. Whereas 
Trump is just standing up there. He is an idiot with no background, with no political sense. And he's saying, this is mine. And they're cheering him on. And then they're yelling, lock her up. And now it's her. It's, it's the two of us. It's any woman right now who is saying this Supreme Court could take back control of our bodily autonomy. And they don't like us standing up for what we believe in. Absolutely. And I, and I think there, I, had the, I had kind of a point about that or a thought about that when um, after Dr. Blasey Ford's um, testimony, I think one of the reasons that she was so effective as a, a witness is not just because she was smart and composed, but I think her vulnerability and the way that she wasn't like, she wasn't forceful or defend or trying to really even defend herself. She was very deferential. She was very modest. And I think that, I think that that fit into kind of the schema of what men want women to be like. Yes. And that's why she was so effective and why even we turned on Fox News in this office and we were watching them and they were pretty amazed by her and they weren't insulting her because she fit into what they want women to be. They don't like a Hillary, not just not because of her beliefs, whatever. You, people are entitled to disagree with Hillary Clinton's policies sure. or whatever. They don't like the way she is about Wall Street. Fine. That's whatever. Everyone's entitled to like have a real bone to pick with her from an intellectual standpoint. But really what people don't like about her is that she doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> she wanted to wear pantsuits in 1998. She wanted to keep her last name. She and she's always been vilified for those sort of things for not wanting to fit into that into what people think of as how a woman should be. And a I, woman should be second to the man. Right. And that you know, a lot of people said that she was always the smarter one and she should have run for president in the first place, which I totally buy. I mean, I, I buy that she was a smarter one. Um, but oh, like she, intellectually? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And she just waited her turn. She did all the right things. Then um, her husband sort of screwed some things up for her, which is a whole other issue. Yeah. I mean, he was so popular, but she always had that baggage of um, his of many affairs and, and the scandal and that that really stuck with her. So I think it's hard to Hillary is such a, a specific woman in America that it's hard to think about what it would be like if it was another woman at that same time. I mean, she's she's a specific woman, but she's also kind of every woman. Right. They people people don't like her when because she always was trying to fit into this box of, you know, I don't want to be too forceful, so I'll pretend like I'm not really like that. And I don't you know, she would try to kind of be feminine and like, you know what? Some women are just not like that. And when you try to you, you try to be everything to everyone, you are nothing to anyone. And I think that that was ultimately her downfall. Yeah. I mean, other than the Russian bots. <laughs> that which whole I'm thing. like, really, <laughs> listeners of this podcast know that I'm passionate about the fact that the election was rigged. And it's, you know, that is, I'll be honest, that's another one of my concerns going into the midterms, going into 2020, is that technologically, I think we don't have the tools to fight that. Like we can vote, uh, but if you, you know, there's so much working on us from political ads to social media that I think that we are disempowered in a way to even understand where our own opinions come from. Yes, and we've done nothing to build up our infrastructure to protect from being attacked again. We don't, we have no idea what's about to happen in these midterm elections. No. And the major company that could actually do something, the, these huge tech giants, they refuse to take any sort of responsibility. I just, I just want Mark Zuckerberg one day to wake up and be like, 
I should shut this thing down because it's ruining the world. It is. <laughs> it honestly is. I mean, you, I'm sure you saw last week that 50 million people were hacked and they don't honestly reading those articles. It is frightening how unclear they are on what actually went went down and like, they, but they, they know, know. That they but they also know they don't actually ever have to fully explain it to anyone because no one's demanding that of them like there there are there's there's been congressional hearings and, and they've definitely had to be held accountable more than ever but i think people are also very few people understand how it even works over there so they could say anything be like this happened and i mean i as a lay person would be like Okay. <laughs> well, here's the thing. No one in the set. No one when he when he did go before Congress, the people questioning him were like, "What's the difference between a tweet and a Facebook?" <laughs> like they didn't even know what they were asking. How do I copy and paste? Right. It's like, can you convert this to a PDF? Like, can I convert my Facebook? Like, it's just very like the, the people in power don't really know, and I think it's interesting seeing the kind of candidates that we have running in this midterms, like an Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and all these all these people who are a little younger and actually know what the fuck is going on. I think it's going to be a big wake-up call for tech giants, especially having all these young people come into government and question them. And they're going to be like, hey, listen up. Maybe I'm not a tech expert, but like my friend is a, like a coding extraordinaire and like started a foundation teaching kids to code. And like, right. <laughs> but I don't even think you need to know the exact science behind it to right. understand what's actually going on. Like, exactly. Like the lack of, like the understanding I have, I'm in no way technologically, I'm like quite non-technologically savvy, but I do Instagram for a living. <laughs> so I understand like that there can be fake things on the internet and that there is an algorithm that determines what is being seen and that this can actually have an effect on people psychologically. So I mean... It's really, it's really just such a shame. But well, there, there are so many issues facing us right now that I think are going to eventually be solved by the people we're starting to elect. Um, and it may not be instantaneous. And there's still going to be plenty of older people in government for years to come who don't understand that don't have the the temperature they're not reading the room of what no. really needs to be done but they're I, so insulated in their own like white male rich circles yeah and, and it's it's not to say that older people in government have nothing to offer i mean there are brilliant older people who are allies who are willing to learn who are also willing to defer to the younger people but there needs to be everyone needs to work together it can't just be the old people at the top thinking well i've been around for 50 million years and i was born on the senate floor and i I know. Yeah, like that's the problem. This is not a monarchy. <laughs> right. And they and because there's there's leadership in both houses and there's the heads of the committees, there is sort of this sense of um, de deference to power and, and the people who've been around for longer. But uh, I really hope that some of the, the new people who are going to be elected this year, hopefully lots and lots and lots of Democrats, will take leadership positions within the next couple of years so that we start to see some sort of, of sea change. Right. Definitely. I mean, so one one last thing I'd like to just t for us to touch on is this whole idea of the democratic socialist mm -hmm. and the fact that it's both it's it's simultaneously being owned by Democrats and extremely vilified by the right. And I think that this is this is indicative of change more than anything, because typically 
Democrats kind of, when they see something that Republicans are attacking, they kind of run and hide. And they're like, oh, no, don't call me a socialist. Like, I'm not a socialist, <laughs> I swear. And now I think that actually, for once, they're owning the thing that they're being called. And, I mean, do you think that this is like, and a potential there's potential for change in the way the democrats operate because like might I, this be an indicator of that um so i, I i'm hesitant to like when alexandria uh, ocasio-cortez won her primary in new york people were really quick to say this this is the new democratic party she's um she's a symbol of the future and and I uh, don't know if I totally agree with that, but I do think that it's a promising sign that that new sorts of ideas and new approaches are being embraced in certain parts of the country. I mean, she's in one of the most liberal districts in the yeah. country, so it's hard to say this is indicative of, of everything. But um, I, I don't think people are going to be calling themselves democratic socialists in a widespread way within the the short term but i do think that a lot of democrats are absorbing a lot of the ideas of democratic socialists if that makes sense so healthcare for all is becoming a much more popular political stance right well it is very popular like everywhere else except here exactly exactly and realizing we we spend so much money on so many other things defense spending and and infrastructure that doesn't even get built it's like if we actually can't came up with a real plan to fund universal health care, then it could be a reality. It's not like some pipe dream that Republicans make it out to be. Right. Well, they'd rather spend it on more aircraft carriers, even though war is now going to be cyber yeah. and no one gives a fuck how many aircraft carriers you have. Well, that that's very Trumpian, right? Like, oh, look at my big, bad aircraft that I spent one trillion. Yeah, it's made of gold. Yeah. I saw the other day this this big, fancy aircraft on its first flight crashed. That's crazy. And it costs, I, I don't remember, like over a billion dollars. I bet you they didn't even clean it up. They probably just like left it to smolder and pollute the environment. Right. Like, oh, look, it's like decor for animals. <laughs> Cute. They love it. They can explore like the remains of this aircraft that we spent a billion dollars on. It's, yeah. it's unreal. But I, I think that I, I hope that as these super conservative right-wing politicians are um, cycled out over the next few years that we rein in spending in other ways and channel it towards the environment, healthcare, oh my God. <laughs> fighting I, hunger, poverty, right here in the United States. That's not an international issue. Getting kids out of cages. Yeah. It's actually less expensive to keep the kids out of the cages yes but to give know, them an education what do i know about economics yeah but i i really want children in the future to have a better civic education and understand how our government works because it's so it's such like a mystifying thing to so many people like people i went to the best public school in america like they always told us that and i have that's to that's what they told us too oh my god did they tell everyone that yeah <laughs> i mean we're we actually we're so just for the listeners we are from neighboring towns and they are both very good public schools and so, very competitive yes with each other yeah. I you guys in tennis like all the time <laughs> Um, and we had equally horrible football teams. Yes. I remember that. Little Jew boys. <laughs> Not to sound stereotypical or anything, but like, come on. Yeah, poor guys. But it was so. always a big deal if we were going to play you for our homing. Home, our home, yes. We always wanted to play your school for our homecoming game because that was like the only team we could maybe win against. 
Yes, I remember you guys beat us at our, our homecoming because you scored one touchdown. <laughs> okay, yes. But we are very intellectual. They're very good schools intellectually. Very good schools intellectually. Yeah. And so I came out of school knowing very little about how our government worked. I was like, uh, George Washington, this, Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves. But it was like, how does a bill become a law? Like, how do you even run for office in the first place? How do you get a ballot initiative? These are really important things that people don't know so it's interesting i feel like i had a little taste of that but i don't i think the issue wasn't about not like having the knowledge or the like technical knowledge i think it was more that when we were younger we we grew up in the 90s and this was like a prosperous time and you know when there's prosperity people are kind of more lazy it's just the fact they're more concerned with like materialism than they are with purpose maybe um not everyone but it it could go that way in general. And I think that now the difference is that people being a voter, being civically engaged is more of an identity sort of like I'm a person who works out, right? You know, like (laughs) I'm a health conscious person Mm -hmm. becoming a civically conscious person is I think now becoming like a trendier quote unquote identity. It's something that if you look at like young kids, high school, college students, I think especially for them, I think a big part of this was the fact that there's a lot of school shootings and you know people are just afraid of getting shot so they're like i gotta do something about it right um well it's like when when the personal becomes political it's when you feel like your body is on the line that's when you start to care unfortunately right (laughs) right so we had to like you know have a lot of mass school shootings for people to for civic engagement to become part of people's identity and i think i mean i've always been politically interested but I don't think that it was like something I would advertise on Instagram or advertise on Facebook because it would just wasn't it it wasn't something you did like I just voted like I voted in the presidential elections and that was considered a lot right compared to the people around me I, I mean I care deeply about the 2004 presidential election because so <laughs> of the Iraq war yes, yes and also that was probably like the first election that I was like really aware aware I got made fun of though I mean I was a senior in high school at the time and uh, I was the editor of my school paper and with my best friend we were co-editors so was I oh Oh my god oh my god are are we sisters (laughs) (laughs) neighboring school Uh, yeah Yeah. (laughs) parallel lives Um, and we put out uh, I I, with my own money paid to print a special election uh, election issue of the newspaper and it was just like a one long you know those like legal sheets of of printer paper it was like two-sided it was about how each candidate stood on the issues John Kerry versus George W. Bush and then a, a little bit more background about things and kids did not give a shit like they were like why do you care you're not even old enough to vote like why do you have um john Kerry buttons all over your backpack and i was like do you want one they're like no who's john Kerry?" i'm like oh my god <laughs> like read a newspaper i don't right. know this is going to kitchen cabaret okay <laughs> it's like i, I have a, a kitchen cabaret sticker okay? listen find you, you a girl <laughs> yes find yeah. you a girl who can do both because i was doing both <laughs> yeah no it's 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 true i and i think that that if any think shows that we have actually made progress because I agree it was not cool to care now high school students if you don't care you're like a weirdo right and you're like why don't you care your friends are like hounding you like why didn't you go to the the walkout right. for, for gun safety like what what's your deal like do you love guns 
hands. <laughs> right, exactly. And things, and, and that I think shows that things have started to change. Yes. And becoming, being a voter, being someone who cares about the world around them is actually becoming quite chic. So. then that, and that's what gives me hope. And that, and seeing all these people who've never run for office before, throwing their hat in the ring and having thousands and thousands of people knock doors. I mean, all over the country. You see there's the big flashy races like in Texas with, with Beto, Beto love um, yeah. I met him not to brag oh my God, um, so <laughs> and he has an army of door knockers but it's happening everywhere and people who have never done that in their life I've been knocking doors on Long Island in the second congressional district um, for uh, a woman candidate named Luba Gretchen Shirley she's running against Peter King who is one of the most horrifying members of Congress he's been there for a million years and they all he, have yeah but he's he's really he was instrumental in Trump coming to Long Island and doing the big MS-13 push and saying that Long Island is overrun with with gang violence, which is just so not true. He's never been to Long Island, clearly. Right. Clearly, just to play golf and go to the Hamptons. He just like drove right through the part where he's saying it's it's, you know, people are locking their doors. He said this two days ago at a rally that that it's like people are locking their doors and they're afraid to go outside. I'm like, I was just walking around the streets canvassing like three days ago and it's beautiful and everyone's fine. I mean maybe certain parts of Long Island Absolutely. that were historically not that nice. Right and and it's I'm not not to say it's not a problem but he is taking what is an isolated problem and painting a whole area with a broad brush and um, you know. Yeah I, Long Island home of the home of the horrible gun violence like yeah, no it's I, not true. And so my mom's been going with me and she's never canvassed before and then she texted me yesterday oh I'm at a rally at uh, the local college and Governor Cuomo came to speak and um, there were all these Moms Demand Action activists sitting in front of her and I was just like, my, my mom's always cared, but just to even see her really going out of her way and she's really active in this like Facebook group for like <laughs> moms who love politics. Moms who care. Yeah, moms who care. And it's it's really exciting. So it's not just young people who are getting involved for the first time. It's older people who thought that we were all right and Hillary was going to win and everything was going to be fine. And then this just smacked all, all of us upside the head and realized like this is our government. We need to take control control of it and no one else is going to do it for us. Well, if that's what it, if Trump was what it took for that to happen, I guess maybe there is a, a, a silver lining. I, I yeah, I, it's, to his orange no, cloud. totally. It's hard for me to say that, but I also, I think that so many things would have stayed under wraps for longer and these strains of it's, racism and people's true colors, we would have been like, oh, racism is, is people are still racist, but we didn't realize well, what? it's like with Barack Obama, people were like, oh, racism's dead because the president's black. Like, no, no, no. It was just kind of sleeping and right. they were waiting for eight years until they could elect the absolute craziest person That's possible. Like, right. It's true. <laughs> This has been an amazing episode. Where can we, so where can people find you or not you, but purpose and crush the midterms? So um, if you want to make a plan, or, <laughs> or yeah. me, if you want to make a plan to crush the midterms, um, you can go to crushthemidterms.org. Very easy. Um, we also have a great Twitter account where we're talking exclusively about midterm news. And so that's crush 18 midterms. And um, I am on Twitter. I love tweeting. I'd love to hear from all of you. I'm at Marissa. Cabus, M-A-R-I-S-A-K-A-B-A-S. Um, and yeah, um, we'd, I'd love to hear what you are doing in your community and 
And um, if you have any questions about how you can get more involved and um, we have some pretty cool swag. I, I came up with this tagline that I'm very proud of. Um, canvassing is my cardio. Nice. <laughs> we can maybe make that a sticker. Yes, let's do it. A joint sticker. Yes. Okay, so we're also going to have an article up on the Betches on Betches.com explaining Crush the Midterms and what you can do and there will be more information on our Instagram story as always. So be sure to check it out and thank you so much for coming. This was so fun. Thank you for having me. So until the end of democracy, I'm Sammy Fishbein and this has been the Betches Up Podcast. Bye. Betches.